join me in prayer. God, we come to you today, Lord. God, we're thankful that we're able to uh, gather together as a church family. We're thankful that we're able to uh, come and learn and grow uh, from your word today. And uh, God, my prayer for us is that as we encounter your word today, that we would be challenged. As we would encounter your word today, that we would leave changed. That uh, as we would encounter your word, God, that we would say your ways over my ways. God, we ask you to help us, help me uh, to communicate faithfully what you uh, say in your word. And we ask that you do what only you can do and change people's lives today. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. A Revolution Church, uh, my name is Jeremy Whitehead. I'm our Jasper Campus uh, student minister. And I'm super excited about being here. It's always a privilege to be able to, to stand on this stage and, and, and teach you guys God's word and lead you through where we're going. And we're gonna be uh, finishing up John chapter 13 uh, today. And so I'm excited about that. And uh, last week you got to hear Dave, which Dave did an awesome job, didn't he? Last week. And, uh, but, but Dave did something else. Dave spun you a tell about a basketball game that happened at camp. All right, uh, Dave told you, he, he told you this whimsical tale of uh, himself, uh, me, a couple of our leaders who are all over uh, 30 and how we, uh, we went through the gauntlet and uh, surpassed uh, invincible odds and all kinds of craziness to win the basketball games against our students. And all of that was true. But what he didn't tell you is that that victory was not won without sacrifice uh, because I am still nursing a hurt, hurt wrist uh, three weeks later. Uh, and so don't, don't really know uh, what's wrong with it. And I, I'm kind of at the point in my life right now where uh, I'm, I'm too old for my parents to schedule doctor's appointments for me. Like, and just, that's just the reality. It, it is not socially acceptable for that to happen anymore. Uh, but I'm also not too old that I get worried about everything and just schedule it for myself. So I'm kind of in this in-between place where I'm like, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, I do have, just for those of you who are caring, now, you're starting to get worried. Uh, maybe your, your, your personality is bent more towards worrying and now you're more worried for me than I am for myself. It's okay, I do have uh, appointments scheduled if, if you care that much. Follow up with next week and I'll, I'll let you know what's going on uh, with my uh, wrist. Uh, but, but here's something I, I've learned about myself. Um, I, I am not getting stronger. In fact, I believe my body is getting weaker. Uh, I, I am no longer uh, growing, but there is a decline and that decline is steep. I, I remember when I turned uh, 30, we were, I was at the Jasper campus, it was the day after I turned 30 and um, show up for a Sunday morning, getting things ready, uh, just like every Sunday. And someone pointed out to me, they're like, Jeremy, you're walking with a limp, are you, are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? And I looked down and I'm like, I am walking with a limp. Like something has happened to my leg and it is now not functioning properly. And so I began to think like, what happened? You know, did, did I do something wrong in my sleep? Like, is this just what 30 is? I don't know. Uh, and so I even uh, remember like trying to, to stretch it out. So like as people are checking in their kids and, and rev kids in Jasper, I had one of my students like stretching out my legs. So we're like in a kid's room doing like yoga and these people are like, what kind of church is this? I'm not sure if I feel comfortable here anymore. Uh, but here's the good news. I went home that day and took a nap and my leg was better. And so naps are uh, magical. And, and so there's, there's two groups of people in this room right now. There's a, those of you who are in your 20s, and this is what you have to look forward to. Your, your body is going to begin failing you sooner rather than later. And then there's those of us who are 
past our 30s, and, and you're, you're saying, man, I wish a nap would fix the problems that my body is currently having. Uh, but like I said, uh, my, my body is getting weaker. I'm not getting stronger. But here's what I've learned about weakness. Weakness is an identifier of strength. Weakness is an identifier of strength. I, I enjoy lifting weights. I've been working out since I was in, in high school. And, and when I uh, get to a weight that is too heavy for me to lift, uh, I have now identified weakness in myself. And when I see someone else who can lift that weight, I now have now identified strength that I don't have. Weakness is an identifier of strength. And this is where I believe Jesus's disciples are at in our story. Uh, as we're going through finishing out John chapter 13 and uh, Dave and Pastor David, they, they've all, and Chad have all been kind of saying the same thing. Jesus has already made it very clear he's on his way to the cross. He said, he said, hey, just like I already told the Jews where I'm going, you can't go, I'm going somewhere, I'm doing something and you guys aren't necessarily a part of it right now. But he did give a command. Dave talked about this last week. He said, you can love people well. And then that gets to our verses today with Peter. And uh, Peter is kind of a character in the Bible. If, if you have a lot of uh, Bible knowledge or read it, he, he's kind of uh, a character. Usually when something involves uh, Peter, it's not fa uh, favor him very much. You know, it's usually, he has the foot and mouth disease. Uh, and so he's usually saying something or doing something. Uh, and so that's just kind of who Peter is. And, and in this moment, uh, Peter is very much doing that. And as Jesus is getting done saying, hey, I'm going somewhere, but you guys are gonna love people well. And that's how people are gonna know you're following me. And that's how we're gonna change the world. And that's how this whole thing's gonna happen. Peter kind of steps up like Kanye. He's like, Jesus, I'm gonna let you finish. But, but where are you going again? And that is Peter. That is who he is. That is what he's doing. And that's where we find ourselves today uh, in John chapter 13, verse 36. He says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. So Jesus has already communicated some of this to his disciples uh, already. We just read it on the screen just a minute ago. He's already said, I'm going somewhere that you can't go. But now we find this separate, almost repeat conversation, but it's this unique dialogue between Jesus and Peter. And what we see him saying, he says something fairly unique to Peter right here. He says, where I'm going right now, you can't follow and then he says, but you will follow later. So my, my goal for our time here today is to look at Peter and, and this scripture and see what happened between these two points in time. What happened from the point in time where Jesus said to Peter, you can't follow me now to you will follow me later. Some things we know about uh, Peter, like I already said, he was kind of an impulsive guy. He was, you know, kind of a foot and mouth disease. You know, there's uh, all these moments like Jesus is walking on water and Peter's like, hey, I wanna walk on water too. So Peter jumps in the water and he's like, yeah. And then he's drowning. He's like, help me, Jesus. You know, I, I was not ready for this. 
Uh, there's times where Jesus is getting arrested and he takes a sword, cuts off a guard's ear. Uh, Jesus puts it back. He's like, Peter, chill out, bro. All right, put your sword away. Uh, th- th- one of my favorite stories is Jesus is going up to this garden. He's like, hey, I- I'm gonna go pray. Uh, you know, you guys stand watch. It's Peter and some of his closest disciples. And he asks them to stand watch for an hour. And so Jesus goes and he prays and he comes back and all of his homeboys are asleep, right? And so he's like, hey guys, come on, help me out here. Like one hour, I'm gonna go pray. You guys stand watch. So Jesus goes and prays again, comes back, same thing. Jesus is like, all right, fellas, come on. We're gonna have a group huddle here. I'm gonna go pray. I believe in you guys. You guys can do this. Jesus goes, prays again, comes back. Nothing has changed. And you begin to wonder at some point, you're like, Jesus, couldn't you have picked some better people? Like, if we're being honest, like, I get what you're doing, Jesus, that it's like, they're people just like us, and they have flaws, and you can do great things through them, but homeboy can't even stay awake in an hour, like, can't they just, like, you know, DoorDash a Starbucks order and get them, you know, some ice mocha? It's, it's one hour, and this is, this is the Peter that we're talking about today. And in this text, he tells Jesus, Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. This is a big, bold statement. And what I found out oftentimes with big, bold statements like that is oftentimes people will say something like, Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Yet if you poked and prodded, you would find out that they weren't actually living their life for him. And so here's where we're at today. There's good news in our text and there's bad news in our text. So I'm gonna do good news first. Everyone wants good news, good news first. The good news in this verse is that Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot go. Jesus is about to do something that he is uniquely suited to do. He is about to go to the cross. He's the only one who can do this. And that is good news for us. He is the only one who can live a perfect life. He is the only one that can die a death that we deserve. He is the only one that can rise again. And he is the only one who is now uh, reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, fighting for us, helping us. He is the only one who can do that. That is good news. There's also bad news in this text because Jesus is inviting us into something that we are not able to do yet. He says, you can't do it now, but you will do it later. And Jesus was, was specific. You know, this conversation with Peter was, was separate from the rest of the text. And I believe um, that as we begin to look at it, what we find out is the problem that Peter had and the problem that we have is that we are simply too weak to be the people that God has called us to be and do the things that God has called us to do. We are simply too weak And when I say weakness, I'm not talking about physical strength, though some of you could probably hit the gym. Uh, But when I say weakness, I'm talking about your inability to be the person that God has called you to be and do the things that God has called you to do. You are unable. And and really, we, we don't like being weak. It's not a popular thing in our culture. But as we begin this discussion, this observation on on weakness, weakness isn't actually a problem. There's a solution to the weakness problem that we're gonna get to later. Our problem is that we imitate strength instead of embrace weakness. Our problem is that we imitate strength instead of embrace weakness. It is our our delusion of strength in the face of weakness 
that is our problem, that we begin to try to do things that we can't do, act like we can do things we can't, take credit for things we haven't done. Going back to my, my working out analogy, if there is a weight that I physically cannot lift, it is too heavy for me to lift, and I try to operate out of strength that I don't have and lift this weight, I'm going to end up being hurt. It's, it's too heavy, it's not something I can do. And in the same way, that is where we're gonna find Peter, and that's maybe where a lot of ourselves find us today, that we are gonna be in a situation where we have a weight that is too heavy for us to lift by ourselves. We have a weight that is too much for us. God has called and invited us into something that we don't have the power inside of ourselves to do. And so our text continues in verse 38. Jesus' response to Peter, Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Something that uh, I, I always find really interesting. When, whenever Jesus asks a question, like he's not expecting an answer. There's not a point where Jesus asks a question. He's expecting someone to give him knowledge he doesn't already have. Jesus asks questions because the person he needs to, he's talking to needs to know something. And probably we need to know something as well. Jesus says, will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And as we look at the, the story of Jesus, they leave the, the setting that they're in and Jesus is betrayed by Judas shortly after that. Jesus is arrested. Jesus goes on trial. And there is this angst and this energy kind of in the environment, in the air. And that's where we pick up in Mark's gospel, chapter 14, verse 66. This is how, how Mark recorded it. It says, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you were with the Nazarene. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystander, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man who you speak. Where we find Peter here is he has been following Jesus for the last three years. He has been living with Jesus, learning from Jesus, his life has been about Jesus' things for the last three years, and he just got done saying, Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Yet here we find him saying, Jesus, I don't even know you. I don't know this Jesus guy. I swear on my mama, I don't know this Jesus guy. That's what he's, he's saying here. And I have to imagine that this was a moment of breaking for Peter. Verse 72 continues, it says, and immediately the rooster crowed a second time and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. I have to imagine that this breaking moment for Peter was especially difficult because he knew Jesus had predicted it. Jesus had told him this was gonna happen. 
And Jesus knew this was gonna happen when Peter was living with him and learning with him for three years. He knew this was gonna happen as he served Peter. He knew this was gonna happen as he washed Peter's feet. He knew this was gonna happen as he broke bread with Peter and he knew it was gonna happen as Jesus went to the cross. And it says Peter was broken. He began to weep. Here's what I think we see about Peter here that is also true about us. Ignoring our weakness leaves us broken and without strength. Ignoring our own weakness, our inability to do and be who God has called us to be, leaves us broken and without strength. What does ignoring our weaknesses look like? It's when we ask, act like we can do things that we can't. Act like we know things that we don't know so that we seem smarter than we actually are. When we turn help away because it would mean that we are acknowledging that we can't do whatever it is. We act like we've achieved things that we really haven't achieved so that we look better than we actually are. Ignoring weakness looks out, pointing out other people's weaknesses so we don't actually have to acknowledge our own. And this is, this is the problem. Is we, we want to be autonomous. We, we want to be independent. Autonomous is based of two, two words, autos and nomos. Autos means self, nomos means law or rule. We want to be self-rulers. We want to have self-law. Independence means we are dependent on ourselves. We don't want to have to depend on someone else because that means we are lacking something inside of us. Yet God uniquely created us not to be autonomous, not to have self-law, but to have God law, God rule. Not to be independent, but to be dependent on the one who created us. And when we begin to act and we put on a mask and we pretend to be something we not, we're not and we fake strength that we don't have, we find ourselves in a place that we never wanted to be. We are putting on a mask, pretending like everything's okay while the world is burning around us. If I pictured it in my head, it would look something like this. We're laughing, but if we're not careful, this is exactly who we are as we fake a strength that we don't really have. Let, let me ask you some, some questions. When you're stressing over your finances and you're trying to figure out how you're gonna make all your money work and, and it seems like there's more money going out than less money coming in and, and maybe anxiety or angst begins to well up in you, but you don't want people to know that, so you buy more and you spend more and you, you get the nicer car and you go on the second vacation and all those things to, to fake something that you don't actually have. When you're being real with yourself, is that a moment of strength for you or a moment of weakness? When, when your kid asks you the same question over and over and over and over and over again, and you respond harshly. Is that, a, is that a moment of strength for you or a moment of weakness? I've had the privilege of being a dad for uh, three months now and absolutely loving our, our logo. Basically, I'm killing it is what I'm trying to, to say at three months. But, but I, I am praying uh, that God saves him him young and that, that he, he doesn't go through periods of his life walking 
away from the Lord and walking through difficulty without the help of the Father. And I, I can just imagine how heartbreaking that is. And I know that is some of your stories in this room. And for me, as I, I'm, I'm praying against that, I'm thinking about how helpless I would be in that moment. That, that would not be a moment of strength for me. I would feel helpless. I would feel weak. When you have family or close friends, loved ones who are, who are sick or maybe even dying and you are helpless to do anything about it. Is that a moment of strength for you or a moment of weakness? The reality is, is we are weak. We are lacking. And, and it would be uh, ridiculous of us in those moments when we're being real to fake that we have something that we don't in those moments, to fake a strength that we don't actually possess. How we, how we feel in church. Some of you are like, I don't, I'm glad this guy only preaches once a year. I don't feel super great right now. <laughs> Listen, I want you to be overwhelmingly convinced that you are weak. Here's why. When you acknowledge that you're weak, you begin to seek out help outside of yourself. When you acknowledge that you can't, you begin to look for the one who can. Weakness is the window to strength. As we acknowledge our weakness and begin to look through the window of it, we can see the one who can do the thing we can't. We can see the one who can provide the help that we need in the moment that we need it. And I don't believe God is holding you to some unattainable standard. I don't believe he's, he's shocked when we fall and when we fail. Listen, we have a savior who did what he did so we don't have to do what we can't. We don't have to try to be Jesus. We make horrible Jesuses, but we have the opportunity to be phenomenal Jesus followers. He has not placed a burden on you that you cannot meet. He has called you into something, but he's also provided help for it. So when, not if you fall, when, not if you fell, and your weakness is exposed, your weakness is revealed, and you realize you are unable. In that moment, you are pointed to the one who is able. You are pointed to the one who can do and has already done what you couldn't. And when we were weak and we needed help, God sent a helper. And this was the reassurance that Jesus gave the disciples as Jesus was getting ready to leave. The disciples are maybe understandably beginning to freak out. They're like, what are we gonna do? Who's gonna do this Jesus thing? Who's gonna say this stuff? Who's gonna do this thing? I don't know. We've just been kind of letting Jesus do his Jesus stuff. What are we supposed to do now? And they're, they're getting worried. Anxiety, angst is building. And Jesus reassures them in John chapter 16, verse seven. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I remember growing up and growing up in a church like this and trying to follow Jesus and uh, I would encounter difficulty or, or obstacle or, or maybe I would come to a crossroads with the decision I was trying to make. And I'd always think to myself, it would just be so much easier if Jesus was just right here beside me, right? 
It'd just be so much easier. I could just be like, Jesus, what should I do? And Jesus is like, you should do this. I'm like, okay, great, let's do this. And I thought it would be that easy. And then I, you know, I read the scriptures and I'm like, that's kind of what the disciples had. And they don't seem very sharp. They're not doing a very good job with it. I would be so much better at it. But the truth of the scripture is that Jesus says, it is better that I go because when I go, you have help. There is a helper coming uniquely designed, uniquely purposeful to provide the help that you need. And I believe this was the, the turning point. This was the, the changing moment for Peter where he went from the person who says, hey, I can't do, I can't follow Jesus in this to the person that went, I will follow Jesus in this. We see it recorded in Acts 1.8. Jesus on his way out is talking to the disciples. He says, but you will receive, what word is that church? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When Act 1, 8 says that there is a helper coming and you will have power, it says that you are weak. But God in his goodness and his grace has provided help. He has provided strength. He has provided hope for you. You don't have to fake something that you don't have because the God of the universe has given it to you. And I, I don't know what he's calling you into that you need his help for. Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe uh, you are trying to raise godly kids and you are trying to be uh, a great and godly parent. Can I tell you something? Anyone can be a good parent, but you will need help to be a godly parent. Maybe it's in your, your marriage or your relationship. Same thing is true. Anyone can be a good boyfriend or a good girlfriend. Anyone can be a good spouse. You will need help to be a godly spouse. And can I tell you something? After 11 years of marriage, I need a lot of help. Amen? Absolutely. Maybe, maybe God wants to you to be radically generous. He wants you to invest in the kingdom and do something in a powerful way. Anyone can be good with their money. You will need help if you want to be godly with it. Maybe God wants to use you to reach your coworkers or reach your, your neighbors with the gospel and have their lives changed forever. And listen, you can know all of the words and you can answer all of the questions, but you don't have the ability to change someone's heart. You are too weak. I am too weak. Even as I'm uh, preparing to teach and getting ready, I'm praying, God, I have a weakness. I don't have the ability to change someone from death to life. There is no, no uh, wise, clever phrasing I can do that can do that. I need help outside of myself. I need a God that provides help that can do that. And you do too. Listen, church, we don't have to fake a power that we don't have because the most powerful person who has ever existed lives inside of us. Church, it, it is better to have Jesus inside you than Jesus beside you. It is better to have Jesus inside you than Jesus beside you. And when Jesus, uh, Peter, or, uh, John talks about the help that is provided, when he says the helper is coming, that, that word helper uh, in, in the Greek is defined as a parakletos. And the prefix para in there means to come alongside or to provide 
assistance. And that is exactly what the helper does. We use that prefix para all the time uh, in our English language. Uh, For example, if you were to jump out of a plane, you would find yourself in the unique uh, situation where you require assistance outside of yourself. You are plummeting down to the earth and you need some help badly, quickly. You need a para, specifically a parachute. You need something to come alongside you and assist you to do the things you are too weak to do by yourself. And the para, the assistance, the help that God offers and has available for you is so much better. The word helper can be translated a couple of different ways. Uh, Helper is one of them. Counselor, uh, he's also called an advocate, a comforter. And, And this is who we have to help us. Maybe you are walking through a situation and you feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel like no one could understand you, you feel like no one has your back, you feel like no one is on your side. Can I tell you, that word helper is translated the same way in Genesis when God says, it is not suitable for man to be alone, so let's find a helper suitable for him, a companion suitable for him. When you feel like you're alone, you have a companion that will never leave you, that has never left you alone. Maybe you're in a situation and you simply don't know what to do. You have a counselor. And when you don't know the right answer or the right response, you have a God. You have help who does. You have a comforter. Maybe you're in the midst of grief right now. You've experienced loss recently. Maybe you're going through Uh, depression, anxiety, you know what is going on in your life, but you would say comfort is not something that you know right now. The help that is available to you is a comforter to remind you that you do have hope. There is peace available. There is help available. You are not alone. We have an advocate. Maybe you're trying to follow Jesus into what he's calling you to do and and guilt is beginning to rise up in you and shame is beginning to rise up in you and you are beginning to think, I can't do the thing that God called me to do. I'm not good enough. Because of what I've done, because of my past, because of this, God can never use me. God can never love me. And at that moment, the advocate begins to fight on your behalf and remind you who you are. He says, you have been saved, you have been freed, you have been redeemed. And when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus because Jesus already paid the cost of your sin. And this is who we have to help. The helper has come in power. There is help available for you. And this is what we saw in Peter. This was the change we saw in his life where he went from someone who couldn't do it to the one who would do it. And we see this change in Peter. Peter went from someone who was scared to say he knew Jesus to a little girl, to someone who was regularly beaten and stoned telling people about Jesus. And when he would get done, he would get up, dust off his clothes and say, we're going to the next town. I think they have rocks. I think they have bats. I think they're a little angry, but they don't know about Jesus yet. That's a changed person. Jesus says to Peter later in John's gospel, chapter 21, verse 18, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said, follow me. Church history tells us that Peter eventually followed Jesus to the cross, that he was crucified. Uh, and that when he found himself in that moment and he was following Jesus, where Jesus was calling, he didn't even think himself significant enough to be, die the same way that Jesus did, so he asked to get crucified upside down. Peter, in his writings to the church as he was uh, planting churches and, and speaking and teaching and following Jesus, he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, in this you rejoice. Now, this in this is important. This in this is super important. He just communicated the gospel to these people. He says, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Jesus really lived. Jesus really died. Jesus really came back. And because of that, you have hope. And he has given you his spirit and he has given you help. He has given you an inheritance. And he says that inheritance is unfailing, unblemishing, unfading. God is actually in heaven, guarding it for you. So there is nothing you can do to lose it. And he said, you should rejoice about that. That's good news. And he says, but right now, you might be going through something. He says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. He says, right now you might be going through something. Difficulty might be a regular thing in your life. Hardship might be regular. You might be confused. You might be at a crossroads. You're trying to make a decision. A trial might be underway. You are going through something. And he says, just as gold tested by fire is found valuable, he says, your faith tested by trial is far more valuable. And he says, trials will come, your faith will be tested, and the thing that sustains you is help. You have help available to you. And he says, our response when the helper comes, when we get to the other side, should be praise. Like, God, you're so good that you did this. It should be glory to God. So what do you do, church, when your weakness is exposed? Where do you run? Do you run to him or do you run from him? The apostle Paul, who was no stranger to trials and weakness, wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. Church, do not miss this. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. You see, the goal isn't weakness. The goal is strength. The goal is strength. The goal is power. The goal is the ability to do what we can't do. And he says, the way you find that is by embracing your weakness. You will not look for power outside yourself until you realize you can't do it for yourself. And when we embrace our weakness, church, we are embraced by the Father's strength. When we embrace our own weakness, 
We are appointed to help that is available to us and we are embraced by the Father's strength. That is good news for us. I've, I've been, like I said earlier, I've been a dad for three months now and absolutely loving every second of it. This is my, my little guy right here. Yeah, I know, right? He's the cutest. This Whitaker Ford Whitehead. Uh, Pastor, Tom, Pastor David uh, can't call him anything else other than Whitaker Ford because it's just that good of a name. And so we have had an absolute blast the last three months. And we've entered this really fun phase of our life right now uh, with Wit right here, as we call him, where uh, maybe we'll be in the car and we'll be driving to a destination and we'll start hearing some grunts. And we'll start seeing his face get red in our little mirror on his, his little seat. And we know that something's up. He's cooking something back there. Uh, and when we get to our stopping points or pull over to figure out what's going on, uh, we have been able to enjoy this really fun experience with him that can best be described as liquid poop, right? So we will, we will lift him up and he'll just be dripping, right? It's like he's been swimming in a, in a pool in his little car seat and it's not clean. Um, that's just, I'm so appreciative that he's invited us into this with him. I, I couldn't even make this up. We were having uh, lunch with my wife's side of the family and we live 10 minutes away, five minutes into the car ride. We, we hear some grunts, face starts getting red. We're praying, Lord, please take this away from us. <laughs> we start smelling something. We look over in the car seat. You know what his problem is? He's weak. He's weak. He has the inability to do anything about his mess. He can't do it. And can I tell you something, church? My joy as a father is to step in with my strength that he doesn't have and give it to him in that moment to do the thing that he can't do for himself. That is the heart for the father for you. He does not waste one moment to jump into your mess and give you the strength that you need that you don't have in yourself. He is a good God. Why would you try to fake strength when that is available to you? That's the Father's response. And what we see in Scripture is Jesus modeled this best because he was reigning and he was ruling and he embraced weakness. Philippians chapter two says he, he wrapped himself in flesh, became human, lived a perfect life and died a death that we deserve so that we could have strength, so that we could have hope, so that we could have help. And that is what is available to you today. Church, I don't want you to fake something that you don't have because the most powerful person who has ever existed wants to help you. And he has given you his strength. He has given you his help. And he's asking you to walk in it. Here's the thing about help. If we want help, we have to begin running to the helper. We, when we identify our own weakness and we see the strength that we don't have to have, we have to run towards that strength. Is it going to be difficult? Yes. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Here is the good news for us, church. 
As difficulty increases, as the hardness increases, the help increases with it. He loves you. He wants to help you. That is his heart to step into those moments and provide what you can't for yourself. Pray for it with me. God, we come to you today, Lord. God, we're thankful for the truth of your word. God, we're thankful for the help that you have provided for us and the hope that we have in your son, Jesus. God, my prayer is that we don't fake something that we don't have and miss out on the true and powerful and real help that is available to us. And in my belief in, I believe that there's probably some people in this room who've never experienced that help. There's probably some people in this room who have been doing it on their own strength and they have found themselves weak, unable. God, my, my prayer in this moment is that you would reach in and you would change someone's heart. God, that you would save them in this moment. You would provide the thing that they couldn't do themselves, that Jesus went to the cross to provide for them. If this is you in this room today, I just want you to pray with me real quick. And there's nothing magical about what we're about to say, but there's power in it. God, I, I need help. I can't, I'm too weak. I need you to save me. I need you to help me. I need you to guide me. I need you to turn my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. I need you. And you sent your only son to die a death that I deserved so that not only I could live for you, but that you'd help me along the way. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you in this room, I, I want you to do something simple for me. I want you to just raise your hand and say, I need help. Maybe for the first time, you're saying today, I need something bigger than me. I need a power outside of me. I can't do it. If that's you in the room, I want you to keep that hand up. We have some people walking around with something for you. God, you're so good to us. For the rest of us in this room, we need help too. God, help us identify the areas of our life where we're trying to do it in our own power, where we're faking strength that we don't have, that we're trying to lift weights that are simply too heavy for us. And you are simply walking beside us and willing to lift what we can't, to do what we can't, to help where we need it. It starts by running to where the help is. God, help us see your strength and run towards it, not away from it. God, may the, the helper counsel us, comfort us, fight for us. Help us grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.